Welcome to SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber, and every two weeks we talk search engine optimization with the world's leading SEO practitioners. We interview a mix of in-house SEO leads from the world's biggest brands and SEO thought leaders, many from leading search technology brands, plus the world's foremost SEO educators. They'll all be lifting the hood on their own SEO journey, as well as sharing the tips and tricks behind how the best and brightest minds in SEO go about their trade of dominating the SERP. SEO nerds, this one's for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber. I host this show. Today I've got Jacob Rudnick. Uh, he's from Scribe. G'day Jacob, how are you? I'm doing great, Russ. Thanks for having me. No worries. Now, we do this every two weeks. We have the world's best SEOs, content marketers. We have people from MarTech brands, educators, lots of really clever people. The whole purpose of this podcast is to share the ins and outs of how real on the tools, not just theorists, but people who are actually doing it, the stuff that they're doing, what's working well, what's not working so well, and also to get a bit of a feel into to the journey because we have in-house SEOs, we have grads, we've got people in training or people who want to make career changes. There's a whole range of people who listen to this and who write us feedback all the time. So we just want to give them a bit of a rounded understanding of, of who we're interviewing them and why. Now, Jacob, I'm going to ask you one question, but I will say this. I love content marketers who do content about themselves, like personal branded content. I, th- I feel like it's such a gap. You should be really good at it. And then my, my, some of my favorite people on Twitter and LinkedIn are content marketers. They just get it. They know how to get that bite-sized piece of value out there. So you're one of my favorites lately. So I'm really looking forward to, to digging into this. But before we do, I've got one question I ask every SEO when they jump on. And that is, what is the number one biggest challenge that SEOs face in 2022? I thought about this one a little bit. I think it's a lack of originality. Everybody has, I mean, this was probably a different take. It's not a, a technical thing, but everybody has the same information at this point. There's, it's never been easier to get SEO info. There's a million YouTube channels, there's podcasts, there's people like me talking about it on social, a lot of regurgitated content, a lot of these same exact ideas. So what sets you apart? What sets your site apart? What is these like little micro details in between all those same exact guides, the same templates, like what are those little things? What's that originality that can set you apart? Where, how do you get ahead of others in the market? Um, I think that's the that's the hardest part. I mean, 10 years ago, there weren't so many of us. I mm-hmm. wasn't even doing this 10 years ago. Um, it was much easier to carve out a niche and, and make money, grow a, um, an audience online. But now everybody's doing it. People are making like affiliates and influencers and people know how to do this stuff, right? So that originality and carving out a niche and just doing things, um, little tiny things usually, but uh, yeah. finding those those spaces. Yeah, I've got to say, to. yeah, the, the best, like the most interesting guests I've had have been ones that have, like there's a there's just a level of creativity there and imagination that because anyone can you know there's there's a whole heap of checklists out there you can do a bunch of courses get a bunch of checklists and call yourself an SEO but great you're doing the same as everyone else like what are you bringing to the table that's that's different how are you thinking outside the box how are you thinking about the broader landscape business outcomes you know there's a range of different things which we'll get into so great answer love it Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I talk to CEOs now that have a baseline of SEO that's so much higher than, you know, content marketers did five years ago even. Isn't that so, interesting? Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. All right. Well, I'd love to hear about your journey because you're at Scribe now 
And we love Scribe. So at Impressive, we use it for, for exactly what it's for, you know, for documenting processes, especially like, you know, with a, with a growing business like ours, we're, we're always trying to make sure we've got those standardized procedures there. But I'd love to get a bit, bit of a sense of yourself and, you know, how you got to where you are. And then we'll talk about Scribe and, you know, the, the cool work that you've been doing there. But I'd love to know your first ever gig in marketing. What was it? Yeah, it's a, my, my journey is definitely non-linear, non-traditional. Uh, I think a lot of content SEOs happen to be this way, but um, out of college, I was at a, a sales job. I was doing retail, hated hated it. Uh, had always had this like dream of going into journalism, being a storyteller, a sports writer. Did that, did yeah. a master's degree. Um, worked what, in what sports, sports TV for- What sports? Uh, yeah, give me basketball and football oh, all day. Yes. Okay, um, cool. Did, did sports TV for a year, uh, just wasn't loving the lifestyle. You make no money, you work nights, you know, it just wasn't for me. I ended up completely randomly, just wanted a 40 hour a week, nine to five and startup seemed cool and ended up at this company called G2 Crowd, which I think <laughs> most people will know. Yeah. Uh, they were 30 people had just raised a series A and were hiring, I don't know, five or six of us to be what they were calling content specialists or research specialists. We were gathering reviews, we were writing content, we were editing reports, we were doing a little bit of everything. So I guess that was the first marketing job. I remember taking it and telling my friend, I'm leaving journalism and I feel bad about that. I'm going into marketing and I had this like bad taste in my mouth. I've never taken a marketing class in my life. And I'm like, this isn't a marketing job. It's a, con I mean, it's a research job, it's not marketing. And here we are later and I'm on a marketing SEO podcast. Uh, we're, you know, eight, eight or nine years later. And this is what I'm doing full time and talking about it on LinkedIn. So That's that was cool. my first gig. It, I like grew a G2 from this guy that didn't want to do any marketing and was hoping to keep it as close to journalism as possible to um, kind of stumbling my way into different positions and ended up um, kind of filling a gap in this SEO content positions as people left. And we just had this need, so we can get into that. But that's it. What didn't start as that much marketing, but it, it became that way and have kind of taken a love for it. So did you go from G G two to Scribe? Is that the was there some gaps in there? I've had a couple of stops in between. I stopped yeah. at an agency. Um, yeah. Was kind of an older school, slower moving. Just was so different from early days of G two. That was my. That's where I felt most at home. Was thirty to one hundred, hundred fifty at G two. We don't know how to do anything. How do we go from zero to one with everything? And every six months is a different project different, just everything was different all the time. And even when I started fully moved into marketing uh, across from our research team, we'd started a brand new content marketing team. I'd done content and some SEO, but to formalize it and focus 100% on marketing, we had like a startup within a bigger company at that point. So I stopped at an agency, uh, turned out to be a wrong fit. Like don't just chase a paycheck is a good uh, rule for me going forward. And then landed at a G2 light, like a bootstrapped company that was uh, wellness and health benefits um, review site. So very similar to G2 is just a, a smaller company. And then found my way over to, to Scribe from there. Lots of the best content writers. So I, I was a music journalist in another life. And I remember that too, like when we all started going, okay, well, this doesn't pay a lot. And, and <laughs> like, and the lifestyle as well, like you're out seeing bands and all sorts of things. So then I, I never forget when my editor left to get a job at American Express and everyone was like, oh, He's going to be a tender writer. Like I know that that schism of oh my, you're joining the other side. But mm -hmm. that said, lots of the best copywriters, content writers, and SEO copywriters that I've worked with are like ex-journalists. So what do you think Definitely. it is that you bring to the table as a, as a from that journalism point of view? That you know potentially somebody comes straight from marketing and then just writes cop SEO copy because it's SEO copy. Yeah, it's it's definitely not all journalists turn into good no. uh, content writers, right? Sometimes 
as journalists and I had to get out of this, I'd get out of my own way was that, you know, rigidness. Uh, we need multiple layers of editing. We need to follow AP style. And like, if you have one comma out of place, this whole thing is wrong. Uh, that doesn't work in content marketing or at least kind of like the scale that you need to go. It's more about the ideas. And so you need that creativity, but the people, the best journalists and the, that turn into good um, content marketers, it's that like want to learn all the time. It's constantly analyzing, learning, evaluating, you know, not going into something with no preconceived notions. What am I going to go in here? I'm going to ask the right questions. I'm going to get really deep. I'm going to learn as fast as possible. I think those people make awesome content creators, whether that's journalists or content marketers. So I think it's, it's that, but it's this scrappiness that you can't really measure. It's really hard to write onto a resume, Yeah. but it's one of those people that you, when you work with them, you never, you want to work with them over and over the rest of your career. Those totally. are the people that work across both sides of the aisle. I remember there was a journalist I worked with in, in an agency and I asked him the question, I said, how did, cause he was like our technical writer. And I was like, when it's just, you're pouring through like, you know, medical legislation and you're, you're just getting on top of all the latest, how, how do you, are you interested in that? He's like, no. I say, how do you do it? And he's like, well, honestly, I, I just have to fool myself into being passionate about it. I just read and read and read and read and read until I get to a point where I feel like, okay, I know as much about this as, as a lot of people. And I kind of write through a lens of kind of fake passion, like to, to really mm -hmm. inflect his writing, which I found a really interesting, it's dedication. We have to do that going, you know, I'm moving for me from sports into B2B software. Yeah. It couldn't be less interesting on the content side, but you do fool yourself. I still think back to I, when I first started, I was the person in charge of the payroll category and what a dull, dry, you know, material, but you still find things in there and you can pull out trends and use data to, to tell compelling stories, at least to a few people. So yeah, I think that ability to trick yourself or at least like look for the, the, uh, interesting pieces within something duller um, can work on both sides. And, you know, it's hard to do. It's not for everybody. We all want to do the sports and the music, but there's a lot of, there's a lot more money to be had on this B2B side for sure. For sure. So early in your career, what was, did you have any big algorithm hits that hit G2 or anything where you're like, Oh, whoa, okay. That's, that's the, the, you know, the landscape that we're, that, that I'm working in now. So G2, I think at this point, you know, anybody in B2B knows, but we, we started as a little scrap up trying to mm. um, unseat like a Forrester, you know, these old analyst firms that had a huge grab on the market and smaller B2B companies that couldn't kind of get in the conversation for mm. software sales came in. And so us just creating new categories, you know, right, labeling the categories and then adding all these products and then creating product profiles with the word, you know, whatever your product name is, plus the word reviews. It was just this templatized SEO that really worked. And this is before I really understood what was going on. So I've like looked backwards and, you know, you go to all these all hands and kind of pick up and pick up as you go from junior to more senior. But that's for G2, that was enough for a long time to grow the business double every half, right? We were, we were growing so quickly from an organic standpoint because nobody had, someone might have had CRM reviews, but when you go to more niche categories, nobody had these. So we were in a completely almost entirely blue ocean for new categories and then products plus that word reviews and no one had actually gathered the reviews so we had more content that was valuable for a lot of these products so we were just expanding this massive site and growing 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 but at a certain point um, somewhere in 2017 late 2017 we finally got kind of caught up to some smaller companies with less funding were just doing seo better than us and what we this wasn't maybe an algorithm change but more of a market change and for us it, and this is where i came in and filled some of this gap but they were writing more traditional content marketing. What is this? How does it work? How do you buy this? All these 
keyword targeted pieces of content. And we were trying to do thought leadership that was falling very flat. And then they were also just building a lot of backlinks and we had never done that. We had never had one person try to intentionally build a backlink before, which is kind of wild in hindsight that we hadn't done that for four years and had seen pretty massive SEO success. I mean, we had done some PR and stuff, so it had happened for us, but we had done nothing. And then they kind of had this scrappier way of approaching SEO. So we had to kind of claw back on that against these companies like finances online and some other smaller companies that didn't really make it from a business standpoint or have fallen flat now. But G2 could have like lost that battle of being the software review site if they hadn't figured out that SEO, some of these SEO pieces at that time. So that was like the first battle I really remember. And it was like this career changing thing for me going from a an editor and kind of knowing SEO to how do we get backlinks and how do we change our content strategy overnight so we can expand our bigger, like expand to these new uh, keywords and just build content around our categories and products that people want because we had never done that before. So for me, that was, again, a big challenge for the business and that creates opportunity for me personally, career-wise. For sure. Also, it's a good initiation into understanding, like, I guess the nature of, of, of SEO in that it's, you know, it's, it's a race to page one and, you know, you get there and then Google's always changing and that, you know, it's obviously it's always around a better result for a user, like a better a better result for a user's mm -hmm. query. But, you know, slight things change in there and other people are, are racing as well to get there. So what worked yesterday is not necessarily going to work tomorrow. Definitely. Very cool. Okay, so then um, I'm, I'm really curious about Scribe because I should say this, if you're not following Jacob on LinkedIn, you should because he shares lots of really, really cool content. But I'm just curious about how long ago did you start at Scribe? Yes, yeah, so I started uh, December 2021, so I'm almost okay. coming up on a year now. Okay, cool. So could you talk me through the SEO situation, you know, when you started there, like in terms of resources, internal, external, that sort of thing? Yeah, as, as you mentioned, like, so Scribe, we built, uh, it's a free, you know, with a pro version tool where people create internal and external documentation. Basically, anything that is a how-to guide, step-by-step -step guide with screenshots and steps, like Scribe creates that for you. So when I came in, there was a few blogs. We had a, we were paying a high cost agency that was pretty ineffective, frankly, but we were paying, you know, we had this agency, maybe five articles a month, kind of what I'm doing now, kind of thought leadershipy. And since it was trying to do both, it didn't do either. Uh, nobody building backlinks, right? We had a smart, like very fortunately, our technical co-founder and the development team were thinking SEO, even if it wasn't there. It wasn't their dedicated skill set, but thinking about like page speed and some optimization from the get-go, it's why they hired a, a head of content so early on and wanted somebody with this SEO expertise. So we had these guides that you can create a guide privately and it never gets indexed. It doesn't do anything SEO-wise, but if you create something and flip the switch so it's public for anybody, it can get indexed. It can't be found. So we had that going for us. We had all these companies and there's more now today, but there was still, even at this time, people making a, an FAQ and putting it into their publicly facing knowledge base. So we kind of had a great backlink profile, like a good, you know, for where we were, we had a, a solid um, domain rating and authority and stuff. So that I came in with like a little bit of a jump start just because our product was mm. both SEO optimized and also was a backlink like magnet on its own. So if you can find your way to a company like that, you have a good space. And then again, we had maybe 15 or so blogs with a little bit, like it wasn't terrible. It wasn't hurting us by any means, but it wasn't really helping us. So that's where I came into. And so for me, it was making some little tiny uh, suggestions to that product team for optimizations, but it wasn't so far off. We had this product that already had, they had built in headers and we, we just had to do a little bit on some page structure stuff. 
and then getting this content engine up and running for us. So yeah. for me, it was some more intentional backlink things, you know, the kind of the typical playbook, some helper reporter out, answering those questions, just getting some high quality pieces in, working with a PR agency that we still had on board. Um, but then, all right, let's build this educational content. People are looking for better ways to do these things. I remember the one that quick stop at an agency, we had to build SOPs. It was the first time I'd done a standard operating procedure and I hated it. Taking that screenshot, updating, like checking this every month or quarter and going back to somebody's work that was shoddy. It was one of the worst experiences yeah. for me as a manager. So a product that, you know, took that out, like fixed that process and made better quality content, made it much easier to edit. Okay, there's probably people that were like me searching for better ways to do this. So getting this organic focused um, problem-based content going mm. was a big piece for me. So finding the freelancers, building like kind of the internal operations was a huge step. We hired a full-time editor, a content manager, who's great. That has helped me to kind of scale this as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. um, so those were the things I kind of did over Q1 this year to get those pieces in place. And then basically since the end of April, we've been publishing uh, like mad and trying to to grow this organic, giving scribe all this, all this traffic so we can convert people from having a problem on their documentation into a free scribe user and hopefully a paid user down the road, but build this um, user base as quickly as possible through content. With on the linked side of things, just so I'm clear, and you mentioned it was already kind of naturally acquiring links. Is that because mm -hmm. people who are writing how-to guides are saying that you should use Scribe for your how-to guide? Is that like what you're saying? There's a little bit of like that, especially as we've expanded our marketing efforts. Yeah. But what would happen is you would be the head of or someone working on the customer success team at a company, and you would have this publicly facing FAQ page or knowledge base that your your customers could come in and self-service. And so you would create a how I do X in my product, make that public so anybody could see it. And then you would embed it in your help guide. So a scribe URL would be uh, embedded into your oh, FAQ cool. or your help, help okay. desk, which is great. Like, so if you have, you know, your customer success, this is one of those key personas for us. that's really helpful, but it also turns into an SEO play, which is, you know, so anything we can do to encourage more of that is really useful. Um, but people will do the same thing, you know, create a guide and share it on LinkedIn or put it into their blog. We have some content writers doing that on their own. So there's other ways it happens, but that was the probably the most common one I saw when I came in. Now you often, and we're talking about this now, but you talk a bit of in, on LinkedIn just around, you know, the, the benefits of building a moat of content. And for something like this, where there is clearly a big need for a product, like there's a blue, you know, it's a blue ocean and there's a need there. Are there, are there specific industries where you think this, this is like a, a better strategy than others? Yeah, definitely. So I think it can work in a lot of different places. What I'm really enjoying with Scribe that I didn't have at a G2. So with G2, we built this massive content library. We had a million and a half people coming every month to all this educational content, but our conversion was trying, I think in hindsight, we'd do it differently. Some of this is how it was gold and what, and like a misalignment across teams. But our biggest conversion was trying to get more people to go to a category page so we could t sell higher rates to those people in the CRM category or something, right? A vendor will pay more for more clicks on their page. But that's, it's so hard to prove the ROI and you know, it's, it, the conversion is just so low intent. It wasn't great, but at Scribe, we are kind of this PLG type uh, product. This is our motion. Let's get free users into the product, getting, get you, you know, your hands on Scribe as quickly as possible, getting you using the product and you'll see the magic of the product quickly. So for me, my con conversion is just a free sign up, and it's so easy for me to prove the value of our content to Scribe. Like, because I can show direct 
blog view turns into a sign up at this percent and turns into a pro sign up at this percent here like i can show you my roi very quickly and so i've been asked a little bit about this more on linkedin and you can definitely do it with like an enterprise sales motion you know for even if we're just staying in b2b but it's much harder to prove that you know there's kind of this movement of demand gen versus demand capture and how content doesn't really fit anymore and how you know we're as con content marketers we'll just give sales teams low quality leads through a gated asset and stuff and you can do content differently in the enterprise but it's much harder to prove the roi there's so many steps when you have this longer sales cycle and if you have a product that has a free version or free trial um, i think content can really move the needle quickly and then the last piece is like if you're thinking of these categories we we are the first to market with this product specifically but others are there are SOP tools, there are knowledge sharing tools. So it's not completely blue ocean when it comes to content Well, it is with a tool, but the content, it's not so defined. Like if I was in CRM, I would, I would be very wary of trying to go into that content um, landscape and try to fight those battles or being the marketing agency or SEO agency, like how much resourcing will you have to put behind that? But the documentation uh, SOP tools, we can fight those battles with less resourcing, go a lot faster, publish more content at speed where some other categories can't. So I would look at those things, mm -hmm. um, both like kind of your sales cycle, as well as um, how much competition you have around you. You touched on something there, which is like, it's it's just a hot button for marketers on LinkedIn, like demand, demand gen versus demand capture, you know, dark social, dark funnel, all of these terms. Well, do you have any thoughts on like on that whole philosophy and, you know, the the landscape at the moment around that? Yeah, I think it's overblown that content can't work as a marketing team, right? I'm here. Uh, I've proven ROI, like our leadership believes in content enough to keep doubling down on our content efforts, right? After six months and they're like, go, go, go faster. This is great. Let's, let's go. We're made like, this is, this is going to be a positive prescribe in the future because it already is right now. So content can work at the other side. Like this dark social is a real thing. Like people, you can't attribute a ton of conversations. Um, just the reason that I'm on this podcast is because I posted on LinkedIn and me sharing real knowledge about an industry like can generate you 50,000 people saw a post I, I posted last Thursday. Like no blog I write can do that. There's just no way, right? So posting, if you have a real opinion that's valid and backed up by data and you have real experience, dark social can work. So it works really well for me as a creator. If I wanted to build an SEO agency, I would go to LinkedIn. I would not make blogs. Uh, I make a few blogs maybe, but I would do this. I would go to LinkedIn and I would talk as much as I can about my kind of stance on the market and what I could bring. So we're trying to do both, right? Let's get our CEO talking about productivity, uh, documentation, scaling a business, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. At the same time, let's go where people already have pain, which is, and they're going to Google with their pain. So let's go find them with blogs over there. So it's twofold. It's kind of like how we used to do I mean, people still definitely do thought leadership content, but the two the two options used to be like write a blog for your blog and it's a how-to guide, or write a thought leadership piece and go post it on Forbes. Well, now you can you don't have to pay Forbes anymore. You can go to LinkedIn and actually get seen by a hundred x the people that you used to be seen on Forbes. So it's just lower friction, much faster. So do both is what I would say. Some businesses will have more success with one or the other. Yeah, well spelled out and quite diplomatic. I think a lot of it's rubbish. Like this demand gen <laughs> versus demand capture versus Dark, like a, it's, I've been marketing for 20 years. Word of mouth is word of mouth. It's just happening in different places. And, mm -hmm. you know, optimizing for these things. Content is basically what you're, you're trying to get out there that people are sharing. Like, I don't know, it just seems like marketers fighting with other marketers for, I'm not sure why. 
but uh, everyone everyone wants to be the loudest talking head and the most so. cited person so yeah yeah they're definitely chris walker bros fighting in my comments oh sometimes my goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah he uh he certainly is very popular with the people who dig what he does let's put it there exactly so i'm curious around the planning process so you talked about the first 90 days and you put a plan in place and then from you know april onwards you're, you're in that content production mode and you're getting it out did you have to do any like forecasting or or what sort of how, how did you have to plan that out to get buy-in from from their ceo yeah luckily i you know came in with this kind of cachet they they found me for my time at g2 and had done this at a couple stops so i, I luckily like had buy-in i wasn't selling a program as much there's still always like right you, even any content in seo is dealt with this so i'm still building out the projection so for me it was what are the personas that you want to target first you know or, or what are the those broad things that you know from all of the research you've done with customers and prospects so far and some of our guesses because we're such an early stage company okay i'll take that and i'll go with those insights go dig into my seo tools um find keywords kind of plan out this is what i think our first 30 or 50 articles was or whatever it is here's the the kind of traffic potential here's what i think we'll we'll see from a sign up rates you know generally so let's just call it for the sake of this like 3% of every visitor to these blogs will turn into a scribe user. So taking that information and then against the traffic potential of all those keywords I picked, I like got a little model, like a internal model I use, but going from basically zero in month one, you'll capture zero to 1% of that traffic, right? Your articles aren't working. Nothing's happening yet. Google doesn't even know that you have a blog. So you're going from 0% of like your potential traffic in month one. And I kind of build that over the course of a year. You know, some articles obviously plateau much earlier than a year, but like kind of build this out, you know, as we publish more and start to rank faster, uh, it speeds up. But month one, 0% of the traffic, you know, month six, you're something like 10% of that potential traffic. And that scales over the course of a year. So I build this little model for my CEO and the head of marketing to show this is what I would expect if we put this much money towards content. I think we can get the average article at this price, this much traffic at month one, three, six, 12. And then here's what a good... Uh, a good kind of like average or a low signup rate would be from that. And then we can take like our LTV of, you know, any signup or pro signup and run it against all those numbers. So there's like a, a big projection sheet, obviously with like, here's our worst case scenario up to like, what here's our best case. We're probably falling somewhere here in the middle. Like it's kind of wild because the, the projection sheet, like I have, but it was like, I didn't have my old G2 data anymore. So I'm like kind of running against memory and like what I knew. And it's run pretty close to what I expected, cool. like weirdly close. So it's felt very good to to go back to leadership and say, what did you expect? Yeah, we're like within a few hundred visits this month and the signups are actually better. Um, so that stuff is really nice. But yeah, we, we had to do that whole exercise. And now now that we're trying to push for a expanded program, we can, you know, show how, how much faster it's running now that this is going, yep. how, what our actual signup rates are and kind of re-forecast every quarter. How much content were you producing at that point? And is, is it, has it scaled since then? Like, I'm curious, like what, what sort of volume are we talking? Yeah, definitely. So in the beginning, we are kind of um, running this like 20 to 30 articles, depending on topics, but also like what resource we had from writers and things. So we, and the, this comes to, I think this is an interesting thing. We we just got, we were slow to get off the ground. I found writers much faster than I thought I would. I found this freelance community on Slack. Mm -hmm. Really great. I got 70 applications for writers overnight. Cool. Like I, yeah. I thought that that was going to be the issue. Yeah. And all of a sudden I had a mountain of content. I was like, we have to get this. So I had a couple months of content in before we had all this infrastructure in place. We were like migrating the blog. They put it on a subdomain. I'd rather have it in a subfolder. There's some things that was just like moving too slowly. Um, so also we had all this content. So then 
you know, when we got to late April, we just published a ton really quickly. So we actually published like 70 articles in this big fell swoop. So we had like three months of content all together. Uh, and we have been expanding that now. So we're in the fall where we're definitely doubling down on content two or three X like is where we're headed. We'll see how long we do that. We, we just want to get to this kind of like minimum library of content for our different personas and use cases as yep. quickly as possible. So we can, you know, we know what is working to some extent, but we don't know everything. And also the content is just working for us. So yeah, we're doubling down again. Yeah, excellent. And I mean, at some point over the next year or two, you're going to have to start refreshing it anyway. It goes through that cycle. So yeah. 100%. We're already seeing that in some articles where, especially some of our really big, you know, whatever you would call pillar page historically, like some mm. of those have plateaued or just stop ranking. We get stuck at that seven to 11 position. So we're going through some of those with our really big bets. Yeah, but yeah, we'll be doing that over the next year. So let's get it in place so we know what we have to optimize, right? Yeah. What were the biggest challenges? So you, like, it sounds like, I mean, you had buy-in from the CEO, you came in with that cred. So that's, that's a you know, big head start. But you know, what, what was like the biggest one or two hurdles that you hit along the way? You went, oof, didn't see, I just didn't see that coming. Yeah, so it's like a very silly one in hindsight. But we, again, we had this migration. They put the blog on the subdomain on Ghost and it was just not as robust as I wanted it to be. And then our designer loves Webflow. It's not something I'd ever use. And then again, in hindsight, it's just like such a silly thing, but it was like, we couldn't decide on some of the different layouts. There were some issues with Webflow like building pages versus CMS uh, folders and like how to do CTAs and CMS folders. So there was just like, I thought kind of mistakenly that every CMS is going to operate the same and Webflow is like very much a different one. And I should have put more time either into getting a CMS that I was comfortable in or really just taking like a two week sprint and get to know everything myself or find that, you know, partner that could really onboard me as quickly as possible. But being so small, you know, it seemed like it would be easy. Our designer has much bigger pressing needs in the product. And so sometimes we just would go too many days in a row without making progress on that migration and setting up the blog. So we just lost some time, frankly. And, you know, I just have to, that's just on me as that head of content to, to move that forward and find that out more quickly. Um, you know, it wasn't damning to us, like as a marketing team and content, but that was one. And so just getting the right tools for me and the content team, I think was really important. Again, we got content much faster than we thought. So what, what I thought was going to be the hurdles was, yeah. weren't the hurdles and things like we built links faster. We got some of that infrastructure up really quickly. So it was more on just getting the right tools in place um, and setting up the website from the get go. Um, so we don't have to you know, redirect content. We don't have to have content sitting there and not ranking because it hasn't been published. So just some really basics, but it ends up being a big one. If you can't publish your content, you can't get the content engine going. All right, so let's talk results. So since from when you started to where you're at now, like what, how does the site look from an organic visibility perspective, ranking, whatever you can share? Yeah, definitely. So again, we basically had no blogs heading into late April, you know, just call it May 1, because it was the last couple of days. So we're looking at 100 or so organic visitors a month at that point. Like we, you can go run through Ahrefs, like we're somewhere around 22,000 people a month, you know, in late October, so we've grown really, really quickly with a couple hundred pages, um, at least on the blog side. So our site grows much quicker. So that's, uh, there's both some organic stuff there, like getting more publicly shared scribes, more users just generally. Uh, we've created some content ourselves, like low hanging fruit, how to guides um, and you know, Google Sheets or something. So we've done a couple different pieces, right? Getting the product more organic visibility, but also getting that blog more organic visibility. Mm -hmm. So it's gone, really well you know going from this really small organic driven site to to a huge amount of traffic that we can do things with right we have 
tens of thousands of people coming in every single month across the site. Other marketing efforts, like this is where that demand generation capture, et cetera, does come in is like we were doing other marketing efforts that leads to a lot of word of mouth, and a lot of people Googling scribe. But so it looks like our organic is even growing faster than it is, but it's actually other marketing efforts that demand creation side that's doing stuff. So yeah, we, we've moved, you know, in my year or so, it's been like 30 points of domain rating. We've grown from Whoa. a couple thousand organic visitors on Ahrefs to it's like 70,000 overall across the whole site. Yep. So it's been really quick, not all on me for sure. We have a product that really works. We have a big team, like a decent sized marketing team for a series A company, but things have gone really well in the course of 10 months. Yeah, I must admit, because we, as I said, we use it in-house. We can't, we use it as a, we'll say, oh, have you described it? Describe it. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's like what we do. That's with what we want. Like. Exactly. That's all we want. So I'm, I must admit I was surprised when I saw this, like how new the business is and, and sort of the size of it. I thought, oh, wow. Okay, cool. I think this is, so obviously in my head, I'm like, I think this episode is going to age really well because in two or three years time, <laughs> when this is a massive organization, even where you are right now, the success you've had in the last year is incredible. But yeah, really quick success as, we've, as, uh, as you're sharing. Yeah, I mean, it's a tool that I think so many people can use, right? It's not, it's like we have personas, but it can be used by anybody in an organization. It can be used internally, externally. It can be used to share your own thought leadership and stuff. So it's a, it's one of those tools that we do hope that it becomes like a Zoom. Let's yeah. hop on a Zoom, yeah. send me a Slack. You know, yeah. it, it seems like it has the power to, to head that way. Yeah, for sure. Now we touched on this at the start, just around how I love my favorite content is from content marketers, whether it's on Twitter or on LinkedIn. How long have you been active on LinkedIn? Was that a conscious decision for Scribe or was that for yourself? Or were you just, you know, content marketers just, they're always thinking content, so they just like to share it. But t- tell me about your journey. It's new. It is, you know, we're in, again, late October. It's it's less than six months that I've been really posting. Um, it was just one of those things where I, there's twofold, like people are talking about posting on LinkedIn. It's great for personal brand. It creates this like little moat yourself. So for me, you know, if I leave Scribe, Scribe does layoffs or whatever, we're not going to, but if this happens, right, there's more career kind of stability. If I have a big network around me and people know that I'm good at content and SEO, like I, I tell my wife this now, like if something happened, I would go post and how many people would react versus how many people would have reacted four years ago. So this platform is meant for those type of connections and to show that expertise can just open up doors. You know, at Scribe, it's, it's the beauty of the product is I can promote the product while promoting myself too. I can, I can give you my SEO kind of like competitive analysis playbook in a scribe page. And so I get to expose more content SEO people to how they should be using scribe by talking about my knowledge of SEO. So it's like this really nice dual driven purpose, but yeah, I just, I, it would have been something I'd wanted to do for a long time. Finally felt like career wise, it was there where I would had solidified my opinions. And also I've just learned really quickly. It's been the best side effect of LinkedIn is that one, I get more concrete in what I'm thinking, but people also challenge me on it. So I have to think mm-hmm. about, was that a good take? Am I actually right here? Someone brings some nuance that I hadn't thought about or a new tactic. And so I'm learning more. So I'm right now sitting in my home office in Chicago. Everyone else is in San Francisco at Scribe and there's one other content person. So I don't have anybody to talk SEO and content with. I now have several hundred people I'm interacting with, engaging with. It's just a community I can't get anywhere else, especially if I'm at a small company. So it's been that sounding board for me. It's been, I've, it's been like a little master's degree in SEO yeah. in the last six months, me just being active there. So yeah, it's new, it's fresh, but it's like, it's growing really quickly. You can have hundreds of thousands of people visit your profile in a week once you've like done it for a few months and start to see success. Is there anyone on LinkedIn that you're like from an SEO or content perspective that you like engaging with, that you agree, you disagree? Like what, you know, who, who are you following? <laughs> yeah, tons of people. That's a great question. So I'll pull some up right now, but the 
the people I like to engage with, especially just like broadly are the demand capture creation, like anti-content people. That, that's really fun for me. There's also the, like, I've been a big proponent of move faster with content, you know, again, get rid of that journalistic sense of four edits and create custom graphics for everything um, until you need it. So I've been on the move fast, whereas I think everyone's moving to publish less. This often happens to be agencies that are trying to charge several thousand dollars per article. So mm -hmm. they're showing you, you need quality. But there's, you know, people, so I worked with um, Levi Olmstead at G2. He's, mm -hmm. he's great at LinkedIn. He's just super growth type of person. There's a, let me get the name right, but a Josh Spilker, he's really good. Like some smaller people, right? Brendan Hufford, he's running his own thing now, but he was at Active Campaign for a long time. So these are some of the people, all the people at Databox are really good, but there's a whole community now that, I mean, if you, if you want to get more active, like come find me, I'm talking to all these people all the time and you just end up having the same conversations with, you know, at first it's five people, then 10. And now suddenly there's like 50 people I'm talking to LinkedIn wise. And so yeah. I'm not shouting out enough people at all, but yeah, um, there's a huge active community and very welcoming too, I'd say. Excellent. Cool. Cool. Well, Jacob, thanks so much. Really appreciate you sharing your journey and some of the really cool stuff you've done at Scribe and just your philosophy around, around building content and, and how this can actually help sites perform. So fantastic. Now I'm going to do my quick fire Vox pop questions. So the way this works is I just want you to think of the first thing that pops into your head. As soon as I go, boom, if you want to give it a little explanation, that's fine. But then we'll move on to the next. Definitely. Ready, set? Let's do it. Which previous Google algo chain still keeps you up at night? I forget what it was called, but there was one at G2 that happened right after we did a site migration and we lost like 35% for oh. two months and it just destroyed us. So okay. um, late 2018. I think I know the answer to this, but I'll ask it. Gun to your head, which do you prefer, content or links? Content. What's the most effective link building technique you've used? Build relationships, Slack communities. Ah, that's good, that's good. Uh, is the skyscraper technique still relevant today? Not really. Um, what do you love most about SEO? Showing people that you know how to make something change on Google. Give me two weeks and I can make this appear number one. That's a fun trick for, for friends. How do you apply SEO principles to your daily life? There's that one. Showing my wife what's happening and how she's being manipulated by, <laughs> <laughs> by marketers like me or other yep. people, not just my wife. Work from home life or office life or hybrid life? What's your choice? Hybrid and I'm work from home right now. One or two days a week would be perfect. SEM rush or Hrefs? Hrefs. And last one, agency or in-house or combo? In-house. Love it. Jacob, thank you so much. Great conversation. Lots of really cool stuff, I think. I don't know, there was lots of really cool stuff there, I think, also for not just established SEOs, but people who were, you know, making their way through the early parts of their career and wondering how to connect the dots from what they've done previously to where they're going. Yeah, really cool conversation. What's the best way, if anyone wants to engage with you or reach out, is LinkedIn the place to find you or is it somewhere else? Yeah, send, send me a note on LinkedIn, connect. I'll connect with anybody. I'm, my DMs are open. I'm spending too much time right now. Same yep. thing my wife is saying, Get up, what are you, who are you talking to right now? Get <laughs> off your phone, get off of LinkedIn. But yep. yeah, please talk to me over there. Well, that's another episode of SEO Success Stories. Jacob Rudnick from Scribe. If you're not using Scribe, I, I just recommend jumping on. I don't normally promote like this, but we use it. We love it. It's super helpful. If you've enjoyed this episode, as we always say, please jump on. Give us five stars. We've got a bunch on Apple, but uh, we'd love some more five-star reviews. Stay tuned. We've got a bunch more really fun, really clever SEOs coming over the coming weeks. Thanks again, Jacob. Thank you so much for having me.